Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Included in this edition of The Intersection are highlights from the Winter 2023 Christian Product Expo in Columbus, Georgia. Dawn Barton joined me at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central there to share about how she has discovered God's joy and to provide direction for those who are navigating what could be called the second half of life, sharing biblically-based comments. Material from that conversation is coming up. This podcast is being released on the weekend prayer to Valentine's Day. It's a great time to focus on what makes a great marriage relationship. You will be hearing from Ross Holtz, a veteran pastor, and his wife, Christian publisher Athena Dean Holtz, who visited with me at CPE to discuss how God has worked in their marriage and to relate principles that they have learned and applied. And on this edition of The Intersection, Ginger Hubbard is a well-known Bible teacher and parenting expert. You will be hearing from a discussion in which she emphasized the value of words and how parents can teach their kids to use them wisely and to avoid hurtful teasing. Finally, there are comments from Bishop E.W. Jackson of the Stand organization. He's a leading voice who challenges Christians to stand on God's truth and to elevate God's word in the public square. He'll be sharing about his background and giving perspective about not being defined by the past. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Dawn Barton has been referred to as a joyologist and is devoted to discovering more of God's joy in her life and others. She has written the book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry and Finding Unstoppable Joy. And she has a new book coming up called Midlife Battle Cry, Redefining the Mighty Second Half. She sat down and chatted at the recent Winter 2023 Christian Product Expo in Columbus and shared some of what God has taught her. Here now is Dawn Barton. Well, it's funny that we're talking about joy because that book, this book was actually birthed out of a place that I felt a little devoid of joy mm. and a, a little lonely. I had gone from this, you know, 100 mile an hour career to the stillness of sort of I stepped into a caretaking role. I was turning 50 and I felt... I felt a little forgotten. I was I was not clear on my purpose. I was flailing and it was birthed out of a beginning of feeling those feelings and then working with, you know, through that talking with friends and then being really on purpose to figure out who I was at this season in my life. Hmm. So what about the circumstances you're walking through at that particular time and and looking at the the calendar as far as reaching that that time period what is it that made you feel a bit despondent about that well I so much of my identity was wrapped around into the accolades of a career and then I had stepped we had we moved and we purchased a property where my parents lived next door to us and my mother-in-law moved into the house and we have a teenager and I stepped into a caretaking role and it's, it's not probably one of the top of my spiritual gifts in life. So I was working. I, I felt like God had forgotten the other gifts I had. And I was in this role that I wasn't good at. And I don't know how else to explain. I think most, so many women hit that pivot point in life. Our kids are older. Our careers have changed. And we, we lose identity in who we are. So it was a journey back to figuring that out. Mm. 
Would you describe it? And we hear the phrase midlife crisis. Would you describe it in that in those terms? You know, I joke that when men have a midlife crisis, they go and buy a red sports car. But when women do it, we just stare in the mirror and cry that our our skin is melting and we're not sleeping through the night and we have hormonal shifts and we just it's so different, I think, for women than it is for men. But as I started thinking about this midlife crisis, I realized there is no midlife to God. God does not look at us and go, oh right, gosh, right. thank you so well, much for coming. What would be the number? Right. I, I mean, how do you figure you that out? I mean, none. only he knows the number right. Right. of our days. Mm-hmm. No, so. and I don't think he ever looks at us and, and hands you a, a ticket and goes, oh, thank you so much for coming. Sit over there, watch some Netflix. I'll call you when your time's up. He calls us to go all out, all the way, no matter your number. Yeah. So how did you really come to a a point of really embracing what you were seeing and experiencing as a new chapter in your life. What, What did God do in order to kind of set things right? Well, I started really talking with my friends. I started talking about the women in my life group and I started talking to my best friends and we were all experiencing similar things. And I sat back and I thought, you know, we're the smartest we have ever been. We have more wisdom than ever before. We've experienced more. We've had more heartache, more, more wins. We've, we are the best we have ever been in our lives. And yet we are more pulled back than ever. It doesn't make any sense that in our fifties, when we're the best we've ever been, maybe not physically, but you know, the rest of us, the best we've ever been, our faith is the deepest, all of that. We sort of hand the microphone to somebody in their 20s, and I joke that she doesn't even know what chin hairs are yet. You know, like, why are we doing such a thing when we, uh, we have so much to give the world? It's not the time for us to step back. So what would you say or how would you describe that relationship with the younger generation? Because we, you know, we do hear that, that those of us who are in our 50s or 60s or older or whatever, it's kind of like time to pass the baton. And to a certain extent, I mean, I get that. I understand that. I think it's great to prepare the next generation for leadership, for what God would do with them. But, I mean, I refuse to believe God's finished with Absolutely. you know with those of us who are in our 50s and 60s and Absolutely. beyond um and i think that it has to be a combination of that we have got to um, the people in their 20s have to really start seeking, 20s and 30s, seeking the wisdom of those that are older. And those that are older have to also pivot and seek some wisdom from the youth. You know, it's it, in business, in life, in all of those things. I think we absolutely need each other. I don't think Scripture tells us to, to break apart at any point. Um, we truly are meant for community and community of, of different ages. From the winter 2023 Christian Product Expo in Columbus, Georgia, that was Dawn Barton here on this edition of the Inter section podcast. You can find her online at dawnbarton.com. Next up on this edition of the Intersection from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Winter 2023 CPE Show in Columbus, Georgia, the co-authors of the book, Together for a Purpose, Love and Mission in Marriage and Ministry, Ross and Athena Dean Holtz, related insight about their marriage relationship and some of the principles that they highlight in the book. Here now from that CPE conversation are Ross and Athena Holtz. We both came into this marriage with our own baggage. He lost his, the you know love of his life and a high school sweetheart, and I went through 13 years of spiritual abuse. So we both had different things that we were bringing into the marriage, and how could we grow and learn uh, you know, learn about each other and learn how what's going to be the best way to complement each other rather than 
compete with each other. Mm. And both of us had a, a desire to serve and, until we take our last breath, both each Great. other and God, awesome. and God first, obviously. But um, even though we're uh, seasoned citizens, we're both in very good health and have no intention of uh, retiring anytime soon. Uh, I, I did step back uh, from senior pastorate, but still in full-time pastorate and working with Redemption Press, doing some writing projects with with Athena and uh, who knows maybe there's another book we'll write together don't know so what were some of the topics Athena that you really wanted to cover in this book well I think one of the things we decided to do early on that I thought was important was praying together every morning and every night and it's hard to do that and stay offended or upset I mean it would force us to go okay I'm really mad at you right now this is why I'm mad at you and so then we talk it out and then we can pray so that was something that had never occurred to me before and we both just decided okay we're going to commit to this from the get-go and so really learning how to serve each other with our strengths and learn everything we can out of every struggle and every you know trial that we go through together because we've been through some some tough stuff but it's been a learning experience one of the things having uh, gotten married very young uh young couples have a tendency to dig ruts and and you get out of it but inevitably it's finances it's the kids it's career and you keep falling back into it and so 30 years later you're still at times fighting over things that you don't remember why it's just it's just a rut well when you start i was 67 when we started well we weren't gonna have kids together that's for sure and uh uh, we had enough money and i had a home and uh, we just didn't have a lot of things that young couples have to fight about the the biggest difficulty was that my late wife was a stay-at-home mom and Athena works uh, every hour of every day (laughs) and sometimes even when we're watching television one of the few times I have to look over and watch her uh, checking her email so so how does the the career aspect obviously you're you're not only a, a situation each of you have your your respective careers but your careers also you're both involved in Redemption Press. So in an, in essence, the two of you are kind of, quote unquote, working together. So how do you balance the, I mean, I don't want to use the phrase work-life balance. I guess that's, you know, that's kind of a thing you hear about yeah. these days. But how do you kind of, how does your work together and your time together doing other things kind of complement? Well, the other? one thing I had to force myself to do was to take Sunday, even though Sunday was kind of when he would be preaching on Sundays, that was a work day for me as well. (laughs) So making a point to take Mondays off and have a day that we spend together. Now, I am when things are really super busy, I end up fudging on that on the Mondays. But that has been one thing that I because I love what I do and I don't consider it work. It's not a drudgery kind of thing for me. It's easy for me to work every day. But I had to make the 
commitment to have that Sabbath on Mondays with and him. I have an old sailboat that I keep in Tacoma. So on Sundays, when the weather's nice, Sundays and Mondays, we go down and hang out on the sailboat, uh-huh. which limits a little bit her involvement. A sailboat got Wi-Fi? Yeah, it, it unfortunately it does. Yeah, uh, <laughs> doesn't totally keep me uh, off my yeah, computer, no, and, but and, and the marinas all do too. But nonetheless, we still get away from time to time. And uh, uh, month of August, we try and take time off. Athena Dean and Ross Holtz here on the intersection. You can learn more through the website redemption-press.com. That is the publishing company that they lead. You can also go to togetherforapurpose.com. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcast feed, And there's a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through which you can watch video of Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to The Meeting House link through the programming menu at faithradio.org. You can also find content from The Meeting House and The Intersection podcast through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. More content now from The Meeting House program on Faith Radio. Ginger Hubbard, noted expert on Christian parenting, discussed the latest book in the Teaching Children to Use Their Words Wisely series. The book is called Sean and His Amazing Shrinking Sister, a book about teasing. From that recent Meeting House conversation, here now is Ginger Hubbard. There are typically three motives behind children teasing, and then we're able to ask them some questions and, and help them evaluate the motives of their own hearts. So uh, typically three motives. Motive one is that they're doing it to get attention. Motive two is that they're doing it to entertain. And motive three is that they're using teasing as an excuse uh, just to say whatever it is that they really mean or think or believe is true. Uh, But then they tack on the whole, I'm just kidding, which is usually a lie because they're really not kidding at all. Sure. So all three of these motives, they're selfish in nature because they all bring a sense of satisfaction to the teaser, but it's at the expense of hurting someone else. So one telltale sign that teasing is for the purpose, which is probably the most common motive in kids, but, uh, uh, but a telltale sign is that it's for the purpose of getting attention or entertaining is when there's obviously an audience involved, but it's selfish for children to put their own need for attention above the needs and feelings of others. We're told in Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, that we are to do nothing out of selfish Mm. ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So we have to understand those motives and then we're able to 
uh, draw them out of our kids. So now let's move on to the solution. I understand you have a three-step strategy to help children to do this. And of course, this is something that parents can be involved in and helping their kids to really apply this strategy. So, so talk about those three steps, if you would, please. Sure. All right. So step one is to ask heart probing questions. Asking questions helps children take ownership of the sin in their heart, which will help them recognize their need for Jesus. Now, as parents, we do need to remember that we can't judge the motives of our kids' hearts. Only God knows the true motives of the heart, but we can ask questions to help them evaluate their own heart. So a parent might say uh, something like, honey, in the Bible, we're encouraged to not do things out of selfish ambition, but to value the needs of others above our own. Could it be that you are putting your need to entertain or your need to get attention above the feelings of the person you're teasing? Are your words showing love by building up or are they tearing down? How would you feel if you were being teased in this way? And so that's just, um, you know, good. To, and we need to keep in mind that even when children don't answer these questions, we're still helping them to begin thinking about what's right and wrong and what does and does not please God. So even when they clam up and they don't answer, which is pretty common for kids, they're still pondering those questions mm. and answers in their heart. And then step two is to reprove the child for teasing. So I encourage parents uh, not to overdo reproof. Keep it very simple. Uh, and, and a parent might use wisdom from Matthew seven twelve by saying something like, sweetheart, we're told in Matthew that we should treat others the way that we would want them to treat us. Would you want to be treated this way? Sweetheart, when you tease, you're using unwholesome talk that dishonors God and hurts others. And Ephesians 4, 29 warns us about this. That verse says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And then we move on to step three. We want to tell them what to put off, which is teasing. And step three is what to put on, uh, which is we want to train them to edify others. The second part of Ephesians 4, 29 is a great verse for teaching them to speak words that edify and build up. And so to a young child, we can just say something like, honey, not only are we commanded to not allow unwholesome talk to come out of our mouths, but the Bible says that we're to speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it benefits the people that are listening to us. Uh, your words are not benefiting others right now. They're hurting others. But the good news is that God is when he gives us these commands, he also enables us through his hmm. spirit to follow those commands. So let's pray. Let's pray and ask God to help you. Ginger Hubbard on this edition of The Intersection. You can find her online through gingerhubbard.com. Well, next up here on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's the founder of the STAND Foundation. STAND is an acronym for Staying True to America's National Destiny. Bishop E.W. Jackson shared some of his own story of God's hand on his life and offered hope for America in a conversation centered around the book called Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. Here now from that conversation is E.W. Jackson. We want to live more moral lives than we do. We want to live more loving lives than we do. We all have an aspiration that is beyond where we know we are. I mean, that's part of, partly, I think, drives normal, decent human beings. We want to do better. I think our founding fathers were steeped in this culture of slavery. They were born into it, and, and yet they had this vision that, that transcended it, 
but they didn't quite understand yet because of all the, the racial ideology that it was ultimately going to – they didn't quite – some did, but most didn't that – that it applied to these Africans who had been brought into our country as slaves as well. But here's the way I reconcile it. See, I really believe that God has a hand, and our founding fathers believed that providence has a hand in the formation of nations and that America is indeed a providential nation, and that while they – couldn't see the far-reaching implications of those words, I really believe that divine providence did, and didn't just see my great-grandparents in slavery, but saw me as a free American of living out my God-given gifts and talents and abilities and, and striving and, 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 and just enjoying the very best that the country has to offer. So yeah, slavery was a terrible thing. But again, it was something that the whole world was practicing. Our founding fathers couldn't quite extricate themselves from it in the way some of them wanted to, but nevertheless, they laid the groundwork for a level of, they laid the groundwork for a sweet land of liberty, even for those who descended from slaves. E.W. Jackson joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio. He is the author of the book, Sweet Land of Liberty. And as we look at really some of the themes that you cover in the book, would I be, let me just take a little bit of a side trip here. Would I be correct in saying that this is to a certain extent a memoir or a biography? Autobiography? Oh, yes. Definitely. Yes. Yes. It's autobiographical because. Because what I really do is try to tell the story of my own life. And, I, and, you know, the book begins by me reflecting and saying, well, what, what would my life have been like if I'd been born someplace else? And I kind of reflect a little bit on that because, frankly, there's no better place on earth to, to fulfill your destiny, if you will. And, and I talk about the various places I might have been born and the, and the destiny that that might have led me to. But then I talk about my own background and the things that I've had to deal with. I, I was born into a broken home. I was raised in foster care for the first 10 years of my life. I was already a gang member at the age of 10 years old. But something very dramatic happened, which is my father got me out of foster care and really changed the trajectory of my life because I was headed to jail or, or an early death because that's the way I was living as a foster kid. Uh, and, and I tell that story to say, this really is a great land of opportunity that even somebody like me, born into poverty, a broken home, foster care, my foster parents were completely illiterate. I mean, literally illiterate. My foster father couldn't read a word. My foster mother could only write her name and read just a little bit. Uh, and yet I ended up at Harvard Law School and ended up practicing law for many years and, and doing a whole variety of things that, that uh, just bring me tremendous satisfaction. And I tell the story of my background to help people understand there's opportunity here if you will focus on what life has to offer you rather than looking in the rearview mirror at what you think someone has done to you, uh, maybe not even to you, but to your ancestors in the past. E.W. Jackson here on The Intersection. You can find out about the book at FaithfulText.com. You can also learn more online at EWJackson.com or StandAmerica.us. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to MeetingHouseOnline.info or by visiting the programming section at FaithRadio.org. 
Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. Also, there are links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. You can also connect to video clips from Meeting House guests by going to the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link from the Meeting House homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.